Before I say anything else, I want to share with you a little bit about my experience on my trip to the Holy Land. I was planning on preaching about something completely different this week, but someone, I think it may have even been Reverend Richard, said, okay, well, when are you going to tell us about this huge trip you just had to Israel and Palestine? And I said, well, what a good point, <laughs> especially since my summer's hiatus is about to begin, and it actually beautifully ties in with the text for today. So I thought, why not share in the context of forgiveness, which is a text and a concept that we've been thinking about over the past two weeks. What was it like to be in the Holy Land? Have any of you ever been there? Uh, just a few of us. So here's something I want you to know about the Holy Land. Do you want to try to imagine, if you were to think of a state, not, not if you know, don't answer if you know, but what state would you imagine this space, like Israel and Palestine, to be similar to? Anyone want to throw out a guess? Texas? Anyone, anyone want to guess Texas? I know we have Texan here, a few. They always, Texans always want you to think it's Texas, whatever it is. No? No, not, not today? Okay. How about, uh, yep, what would you guess? Huh? I heard something. What was that? Delaware. That's actually not too far off. What were you going to say, Sigrid? Yes, those, those two places. Oh, fair enough. Um, but what I mean is just like in terms of uh, size, how, how big would you imagine? So Noah guessed um, Delaware, which is very close. Any other guesses? Rhode Island is also very close. So I'm going to tell you now. It, um, just in terms of the shape especially, it's about like the size of New Jersey. And all of us who live here know about New Jersey, right? Okay, so it's narrow. It's narrow like that, which means that neighbors who actually really, really don't like each other are very, very close. It's like if your neighbor in, what's a town in New Jersey? My goodness, uh, Hackensack didn't like their neighbor in Elizabeth. Got it? They're in different countries. All right. So these neighbors who don't like each other are still yet close enough to imagine each other just beyond these hills. Enough, in fact, to imagine the worst about each other. Now, imagining the worst. I actually learned this phrase first from my father, A.B. Spellman, who is a poet and has much more, much better language than I could share. But he really and even still wants me to believe this phrase. Expect the worst, hope for the best. Have you ever heard that before? Expect the worst, hope for the best? Anyone live by that? Yeah, it's, I'm not preaching that, but it's not a bad phrase. Okay, and this especially made sense because my, you see my daddy was born in August of 1935 in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And for someone born country, and this is country, like barefoot country, during the Depression, and then un raised under the boot of the fascist state of Jim Crow, of the Jim Crow South, of course, as a matter of survival, my father would have to expect the worst. 
because he saw it so much. Expect the worst, especially because of everything around you is designed to keep you small and servile, like that was for my dad, that was the structure around him, then of course expect the worst. And if he had stopped there, he'd have accurately prepared me to live a life of worsts. But he'd never accepted that fate. His parents hadn't either, and he certainly wouldn't want that for me and my brother and sister. Because when you're in the worst, but you don't have hope, things only get worse. And we'd look to the left in Israel, and then there maybe on some hillside would be some Lebanese sheep. Then heading a little farther south, we might look over and see some Jordanian goats at pasture just over there. These peoples are so close, meaning proximate, physically. And if polling tells us anything, which it does, it doesn't tell us everything, but it does tell us something. The folks right now are just about as far apart as they ever have been. Really, really far. And if you listen to people who care a lot about the problems in the Middle East, and particularly in the Holy Land, and really want to do something about it, what they're going to tell you is that amongst the many other things, they do not know each other beyond to expect the worst of one another. And if there were hope, it actually seems to be diminishing. That's what the numbers say. Especially amongst, and this is what actually very much surprised me, the numbers are diminishing, especially amongst young people who are at about military service age or about to become military service age because in Israel, uh, there's compulsory service, military service for certain components of the population. But that age across the whole population, the hope seems to be dying down. And expecting the worst without hope begets violence, which begets violence, which begets violence, war, destruction. And recognizing that the Arab and the Jewish peoples are descendants of a common ancestor. This is something I hadn't really thought about before. The Arab and the Jewish people are descendants of a common ancestor. Now, I heard that phrase from the Abraham Accords, which is an important um, agreement in the Middle East, and something I knew, I guess, biblically, but I, I hadn't actually considered that this is actually true. It became clear to me. If you go back far enough, you recognize that this is a family dispute. It really is. It's a family dispute. And it doesn't minimize it. In fact, it might even make it worse. But as the man who wrote that phrase shared, the phrase recognizing that they share a common ancestor, he said to me, look, we're cousins. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't know about you, but I actually do have a cousin 
who is not speaking to me and absolutely categorically hates me and has since we were 20 years old. She still hasn't spoken to me. I'm not anywhere close to 20 anymore. So cousins doesn't mean we like each other all that much. And in fact, it might mean it's even harder to resolve the dispute in some ways because family disputes take on another set of complexities because we care in a different way, right? We care about the families we know and we love, and that we understand in one way, but we also really, really care about our homelands, and we care about our children having opportunity to live their very best lives in peace. What are the chances for peace in the Middle East? That's everybody's question to me when I, now that I've come back on, from this trip. And their second question, whether or not they ask it, is, should we expect the worst? And it seems that more and more people who count, particularly who live there, they're expecting the worst. And we had the incredible opportunity to meet with a brilliant Palestinian pollster in Ramallah, which is basically the capital of the West Bank. His name is Dr. Khalil Shikaki and he's with the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research. And he took a few hours of his time to explain to our group, a group of Manhattan uh, clergy and rabbi, uh, sorry, pastors and rabbis, uh, to explain to us the latest polling his center had conducted in Israel, the West Bank, and Gaza. And over there, one of the better gauges for hope is that people see a solution to the problem, and that's often measured in terms of whether or not a two-state solution is something they believe in. And if not that, do you see any solution at all? And that may seem like a simple question, but it has pretty complex answers. And in a way, that feels actually eerily familiar. Um, what the polls are showing is that the edges are hardening experience that much here, right? So extremist groups are getting more and more traction, particularly as people become more and more de desperate, and especially in places where access to hope and freedom have pretty much all but been eliminated. So they would ask, the pollsters would ask simpler questions. Okay, could this one thing work? No. Okay, what if we adjust another little thing? Could we make this tweak? No. Uh, how about this one? No. Would you be willing to compromise on this tiny little thing? No. Now, it wasn't universal, and certainly there were people a lot who said yes. The problem is that the number of people saying yes has been dropping, like, dramatically, dramatically in the past few years, expecting the worst not much hope. But a few things did catch the pollsters' attention. And as soon as they saw it, they went running to the policymakers. They ran to, the, uh, to Abu Mazen, um, to the head of the Palestinian Authority. They ran to whoever they could get to in the current um, Israeli government. And they really, really wanted them to hear about this. Number one. No one feels safe. No one. 
no matter where you live in this little area the size of the state of New Jersey, despite the incredible disparities throughout, no one, you could have security up to here outside of your house for you, or you could have security up to here outside of your house against you. There are people who live with both. No one, no one feels safe. Another, everyone. Everyone wants to be safe. And especially they want their children to be safe. And they especially want their children to have opportunities to outshine them and to have children who outshine them, right? That's what we all want. And this last one was especially interesting to them. This was number three. They would present all of these possibilities to people, you know, where they would just say, no, no, absolutely not. But then, they asked, what if, what if the other side would just acknowledge your suffering? Really, really acknowledge that you are going through it, that you have gone through it, that your parents went through hell, that it was unthinkable what happened to them. What if the other side just acknowledged that? And then, all of a sudden, something unlocked. Something unlocked. When that acknowledgement came first, other things started to become possible. And then the very same people who had said, well, what if we do this? No. Now all of a sudden they were like, well, hmm, maybe. And what we have found and what people are starting to discover again and again is that in the biggest problems in the world, we may not be able to articulate a hard yes. And we may not be able to exactly even articulate hope. That can be hard, especially when we're expecting the very catastrophe and failure we most want to avoid. But some closed doors unlock. Some rock-solid masses just kind of soften. Something relaxes, even in a family dispute, when we just acknowledge someone else's pain. And then we believe that they have that pain and we don't forget it. From there, everything can change. So yes, of course it is hard to hope sometimes. But can you get to maybe? Maybe. Because maybe might just save our world. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers who miraculously find their way to maybe. Amen. <laughs>